0: Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our Southern Illinois studios is a man that's never afraid to celebrate a 50-degree day in January by sleeping all day. It's producer Mason. And also from the metropolitan St. Louis area, we have joining us from his studio cave, Sean Campbell. How are you guys
1: doing this week? I'll have you know that I woke up before 1 p.m., and so in, that, in my books, I'm doing really good today. <laughs> oh, you woke
0: up at 1? He still didn't before 1! <laughs> I had to wake up at 9 a.m. to do my research. I should have introduced you to a man that never wakes up before the crack of noon. And how are things in the cave there, Sean? Uh, things are
2: going just dandy over here. A little chilly, but that's why I got my hoodie at the ready in case I
0: get the chills never gets too warm or too cold in a cave so you made a fine choice there <laughs> yeah a uh, a temperature regulated
1: podcasting bunker don't worry i have my cheese at the ready
0: <laughs> hows the mushrooms there <laughs> uh, any any uh, old wooden barrels of uh, beer stored in there no, this is, no, it's man. not one of those sellers. <laughs> man, the studio cave is starting to sound so much better than the garage, I gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> this episode
1: is brought to you by Missouri Cheese Caves. Go explore one today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, speaking of sponsors, you think they will be the ones to uh, sponsor the St. Louis Stadium? Especially since they found caves under the stadium when they were doing the construction. Are they full of cheese? They could be. Knowing St. Louis, it's the beer caves. And if you love all this silliness, lovely listeners, go ahead and uh, subscribe on your podcaster of a choice. Rate and review. It really does help the show. Uh, we also encourage any feedback you might have, especially about all this silliness we just done. You can uh, contact us at, via email at soccercapital at gmail.com. On Twitter, shoot us a DM at Soccer Capital, and you can also find us on Instagram, though we don't do much there, at Soccer Capital Podcast. But uh, we referenced it, but the big uh, rumors for St. Louis City is that uh, this week, there will be a naming of the sponsor for City Stadium. Rumors are out that it could have been done as early as today, at the time of recording, and this is late afternoon as usual on Tuesday. No, we haven't heard any word. Uh, actually no official notice from the team about this, but rumors are rife out there in social media. No confirmation on our end on any of this, to holding it close to the vest as they do everything. Uh, we'll just wait and see. Uh have no idea who it would be. Uh, I have ideas of who it won't be. One of them is us. Though I do have to say naming the stadium, the soccer capital is just an outstanding choice. And I got $5 for the naming rights if they want to run with that, with that title for the stadium. It's going to be Monsanto
1: or something like that, though. Like, Ooh. Better living through Chemical Stadium. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome
2: to Enterprise Arena. We already have Enterprise Center. Now we bring you
0: Enterprise to the arena. I'm looking forward to Edward Jones Financial Place Stadium. <laughs> yeah. They tried
1: right. that with a dome and that did not work. I was going to say, like, all right, so how many? Uh, it's no, it, let's see. Like, uh, Savis to. <laughs> Cronky Family Trust Stadium. Oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Budweiser Stadium.
1: We already got Bush. Why not go with Bud? Oh, Natty Light. What if they get sponsored by MLS the real estate company? <laughs> <laughs> it's MLS Arena.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Actually, why not uh, one of the unions? Pipe Fetter Stadium it just seems <laughs> to really fit. Especially with the workmanlike sort of effort that Lutz wants from the team. <laughs> yeah. Is is Ask Me. Ask Me Stadium. <laughs> Don't ask me where Jimmy Hoff is
1: buried.
2: <laughs> The UAW, the Union of Automotive Workers. There we go.
1: <laughs> Just to stab us a little bit more after they took away the Chrysler factory. <laughs> Teamsters Local 761 Stadium. Are we done? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, Maybe. That's, let's move on to something more tangible, shall we say. Uh, other St. Louis City news that isn't rumor. Yes, the LDA, LDL team. Will it be called City 2? That's what we're calling it. Uh, in the uh, MLS uh, Next Pro, again, a mouthful to say, uh, they do have; they did name a head coach, didn't have the big announcement like they did for Bradley Carnell. Go figure. It will be a name familiar to you all. It'll be John Hackworth taking over as an interim basis when they start up play in March. He will handle the duties through the... You know, into the summer, through the summer, until Andrea Schumacher is done with the academy teams and they're playing MLS Next, not to be confused with MLS Next Pro, Uh when that's done, then he will become the permanent head coach of City 2. All things considered,
1: I think that John Hackworth is a good pick for this. Um It seems a little silly to bring someone in for a role and then put them into this one just to then take them back out. But it's John Hackworth. If you were going to pick somebody to run a a USL-style team, a USL-positioned team, I can't think of anyone
0: better. And uh, Schumacher was brought over for his knowledge of how to bring players through. To the first team, as he did in Germany in the Bundesliga. Uh, the lower division league team, City 2, seems to be a perfect fit for that, as this is not just academy and training the players. This is actually a professional league and with professional players as well as amateur and uh, academy players on it. We'll have a lot of that to go over a little later in the show. Uh, but it seems to perfect fit in how to tie the academy to the first team. So that does fit in that. Uh, no word yet on who will be announced as the Academy head coach. Uh, there was some information given on a lot of the uh, supporting staff on the coaching staff. Uh, we won't go over all that here. I can reference you to uh, St. Louis, S, or I should say STLCitySC.com, not the app com has a full list of all of the assistant coaches and other personnel associated with the team as they start. Uh, really kind of drives home sort of the fact that uh, how much John Hackworth is going to have his hand stamped on the way the playing style will be for this team. You know, uh, coming out of Louisville City, USL, long history in USL, his stints with the Philadelphia Union, US Men's National Team. He was a wanted commodity on the market. A lot of USL teams wanted him as head coach. He chose to come and take this role as director of coaching for St. Louis city. Maybe it's something he really wanted to do, but it also with that, what's the enticement for him to come? I got a feeling there's a bit of power over the way the play style will be about the team. Lutz is very adamant about how he wants it to go, but, uh, You know, between the reporting of when Hackworth was going to be hired and when he was, tells me there was a lot of negotiations and discussion going in. Pure speculation on my part, but just reading between the lines here on that. So it would be interesting to see they brought in an assistant coach to be head coach. Doesn't have a lot of experience, only as an interim as a head coach of a professional soccer team in MLS uh in bradley carnell so hackworth's going to have a lot of hands-on training with that as he has more extensive experience in that realm uh so it'll be interesting just to see hackworth is a hire for all of his knowledge his overview of how operations should go i think it was a very astute hire and a very good get and uh i'm just intrigued to see how that uh how that works, where the power base actually runs in the front office as they actually get started a year from now in MLS. Now, along with the uh, hiring of an MLS Next Pro head coach, uh, we finally got some information on the actual league itself, which is you know timely, considering they're about two months away from starting play. Uh, this is uh, basically courtesy mostly from, uh, from an article by Jeff Reuter of The Athletic, Detailing some of the information that he says has already been given to the clubs that are involved. There's, was it 20 MLS clubs and Rochester FC, famously partly owned by Jamie Vardy of Leicester City and the EPL, will be in the league. And we know who the president's, uh, who the front office of the league's going to be. And uh, you could tell us some of the commitment MLS as a whole has towards this lower division league for its clubs. You've got uh, Charles Adelchek. He's the president. I don't know if I pronounced that right. I've heard his name a lot, but it doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Long time MLS exec. Been involved with a lot of decisions there for a very long time. Also, the senior vice president of uh, competition and operations is well-known Allie Curtis, who was also a long-time uh, MLS exec as well as GM at the Red Bulls, uh, Toronto, etc. So they've got a lot of commitment from a lot of long-term league executives into the lower division league. The rules for the uh, roster build rules for the uh, MLS Next Pro are different less stringent than, say, in regular MLS as the overall league. Uh, one of the big ones is there's no salary cap, which, I mean, I don't know how much teams are going to want to splash on the players in their lower division league determined to be possibly the uh, level of uh, a third-tier league in the structure of U.S. soccer Uh there's no maximum or minimum on players' salaries. It is really shaping up to be sort of a farm system for MLS, in this case. Though, with the, some of these roster rules, you could see where uh, their aims are to entice promising young foreign and domestic players that might actually choose opportunities to go to academies overseas. Or to bring in talent to MLS academies that are getting a higher profile worldwide right now. Uh, And uh, that would make the U.S. a destination for player development, which is a big shift in the last five years from MLS, where they didn't care about any of that, uh, to where now it's really the focus of the business.
1: Yeah, this feels like we could see some Whitey Ball-esque moving around with uh, MLS next pro in what fashion we got you know players coming in and out of uh out of MLS uh, MLS next pro between you know shuffling between those clubs a lot of moving around of prospects um essentially on transfers um because we'll get to it later but there's no like trading it's just transfers but you're, like, stashing prospects to eventually bring up... To, you you could see a stashing of prospects that you could bring up
0: to your your first team. And, uh, yes, I could see where this could be... And we'll get into the machinations of all that very shortly. But you could see where certain teams that are high on development of players to sell for prices will take advantage of it, while teams that want to cash money in their pockets will be happy to sell i think uh
2: one other thing that needs to be stated here is without that maximum salary cap or or even on what you can or can't spend on a player um and it's this may be you know something we don't really see much but i think you could use it as a very good rehab sections like say someone's injured and they miss a lot of significant time in mls you want to get them back up to game speed you can put them down in your, you know, MLS next pro team to get some game time in them before they're really ready to be back up to MLS speed without having to worry about, well, clearing waivers and, you know, it's too much salary on that team and blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, that's, it may be a minor thing, but that's, that's the big thing that I see is being able to rehab guys to get them back to play a little bit quicker without having them be at such a high pace. It's such a strenuous game as the top level.
0: Yeah, it's 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 MLS's minor league baseball. In uh, honesty, with the information we have so far, I don't have any word on that. If they're going to do, it. if they're actually going to use it as a reserve team rather than just a development league, uh, then no word on how that would work. Some of the other things that go on is the professional contracts in this league will be done with the clubs not with the league as a whole as they are done in first team mls you can expect a lot of similar contract arrangements and things you see in mls because that's what the clubs know but uh, they can't just be traded to someone else there's going to be have to be a transfer protocol of cash and personal you know terms agreements with the players before they be transferred between teams which doesn't exist in mls as a whole uh you know with the independent clubs like rochester being involved you kind of have to do this because they're not an mls club they have no use for gam tam trading of contracts because they're not involved so you have to do this there's also supposed to be more independent clubs coming to the league in the future is their plan Once we start seeing more and more independent clubs coming in,
2: though, you're going to see that sort of transfer system work its way a little bit into the MLS because they're going to start buying players from that league as, you know, replacements for guys that are out or or however they need to. Like they see a guy that's just absolutely tearing it up there and they want to bring him up. He's not on their development league team if they want to buy them, they're going to have to buy under those rules as opposed to the MLS rules, so we may see that eke its way into the MLS eventually.
0: Yeah, knowing MLS, these are pretty detailed and kind of convoluted, even more simplistic than MLS rules, and I'll get over a little bit of that as we go forward here as well. Uh, There's no targets on how many players will be on contracts in MLS uh, next pro or as I like to say, NP. let's say. The expectations are that they will have about 24 players on a roster under professional contracts. Again, no maximum or minimum on those salaries, but there'll be professional contracts. And about 11 academy or amateur players to fill out a roster. So a large roster of 35, you know, for development uh, on that. One thing that is explicit in what's been released is that all the clubs must put six professionally contracted players on the field at any given time. So they can't just, you know, throw out a bunch of uh, the amateurs and academy kids for certain games for whatever reason a club might want to do that. There are definitions on international slots per team up to seven. On the LDL. That gives the aims of how they want to bring in promising young kids from, uh, I'm especially thinking South America and Central America as the idea of what they're looking at here to bring them along young and have them develop in our academy rather than academies in, say, Venezuela or Peru or Argentina. Those international slots are a tradable commodity. So what the mechanism is on that isn't clear right now. The idea is that if they are traded, it'll be for cash considerations. So if a team really wants to load up, they've done extensive scouting, let's say in Central or South America, they really want to load them up, or maybe in Germany, they want to load up the team with those type of players, uh, they can expand beyond seven international slots. Be interesting to see if that cap is if those trades are actually made. Yeah, that's a lot of information how these teams in MLS MP can actually build their clubs. Uh and but what does that apply to, you know, you the listener to St. Louis City SC? Well, it can mean a lot. Uh this unprecedented unprecedented build-up in, t- in time and time that uh, City has to get their first team up and running, this lower division league is huge for them in building their initial roster. With the pronounced philosophy of style of play and the exact type of players they want, this will give them a chance not only to uh, bring in players that perhaps older than the academy or outside the academy in, He'll give them a first-hand look at players on other teams. Uh, so changes and swaps between the teams uh, could be possible for St. Louis City. If things shake out, they could find certain personnel, if not on the first team roster, with a definite benefit to ultimate uh, you know, second season. And that will affect the way that they spend their allotment of uh, allocation money, their cash on DPs, and U-22 initiative players, where you do have flexibility in your spend outside of the salary cap. Uh, this is a big deal. If you're going to play a German style of football with Lutz from Germany, Schumacher from Germany international rights the scouting network in europe will you be bringing wanting to bring in players that are used to playing this in the academies over in germany Will they want to trade off international slots and build them up that way in the way that charlotte's been collecting international slots for their first team in mls before they start here in a couple of months so that's interesting to keep an eye on and maybe they find players that will fit their style and they want to, you know, what's the word? Steal seems a little harsh. Poach. Poach them from another academy, perhaps.
1: Pick up. Poach <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: is, in fact, the
0: preferred nomenclature here, dude. I, I agree. Poach. And uh, get them from another academy. It, it, it happens. It's a business. A competitive business. So let's say they did find somebody out there. Uh, perhaps under a professional contract with another team. What under these rules that were released, will that happen? Under the players' rights part of the rules, MLS clubs, the big clubs, will have rights over next pro players if one of the following is there. Academy and homegrown contract players, you know, they're with the team, and the expectation is that the vast bulk of players, especially the first season in MLS Next Pro, will be made up of academy and homegrown through all the rosters across the league. Super draft players, say the ones just picked up in the college draft, as is the rules in MLS, uh, teams have the rights to them through three transfer windows. So basically about a year and a half, two years however you want to look at it. And then teams will have to list a certain number of players that they will list as their official discovery rights to those players. MLS Laws once had this capped at only three players that they could list as having the discovery rights to. That number is expected to grow with this the league because that's sort of the aim of the league. Uh, for that. No official word yet on what those numbers might be. Uh, The league's probably still trying to parse over them and decide what they want to have there. Now if there's a player out there that is unclaimed by their parent MLS club, an unclaimed player, uh, but they're in LDL, they have a contract, uh, there is a specific rule of thumb on how those transfers can be not that different from Europe a little bit uh first of all both teams come to an agreement that they're interested in possibly making a deal then the team the destination club will then put them on their discovery list so that might mean If they got a list of players that they like, but this one's a possible trade, they might have to take somebody else off that they like. they got to play that game. Uh, Baseball fans will know that's sort of like the 40-man roster rule. And that will give the destination team exclusive negotiation rights with that player uh, if the transfer is agreed to, ultimately. Now, once all this is done, then the clubs get to negotiate their terms on what this transfer can be. Uh, No word yet if they're, you know, they're not tied to these, uh, the contracts on the players aren't tied to Gam and Tam is these negotiations on these contracts in MLS Next Pro with discovery rights and claiming, will those be allowed to be traded with Gam and Tam with allegation money? Don't know yet. Only after all this is done, then the Destination Club can come to personal terms with the player, make sure the player wants to come and sign a contract with them uh, before the deal is done. You know, and you often see it in Europe, especially at the higher level, uh, team targets another player for a transfer, they'll actually start negotiation with the player's teams and come to personal terms before they can finalize terms with the uh, other team, Uh, putting pressure on the other team. That's not going to happen in MLS. For better or worse, I would say probably for better, less agent shenanigans going on, but that's the way that'll work. So this definitely isn't for me.
1: (laughs) This is for the benefit of listeners who might not know. What specifically makes a player unclaimed
0: in these circumstances? Uh, they weren't a homegrown player or an academy player, uh... It hasn't been three transfer windows since they were picked in the Super Draft of the college players. And what was the third one? Oh, had already been listed with the discovery rights. So, Those are firm. So these would be players that aren't already earmarked by the MLS team as someone that they're really wanting to come, and the homegrown would have to sign a homegrown contract. I'm assuming uh, information I have isn't explicit, but that's my assumption. I think it's a pretty safe one.
1: Okay, but so it's players that that uh, are signed to a contract with an MLS NP club,
0: but aren't in one of those three categories. Exactly, okay. that makes them unclaimed. Uh, you know, trialists, people you sign from the outside maybe from a lower-tier USL team that wants to try to get in here, possible, free agents. Uh, you know, just your scouting network finds a kid playing somewhere, they bring them in. Perhaps they're a little too old for the academy system, but they'll fit in here. There's a real possibility for expanding the network into, what would you say, disenfranchised is the wrong word, but I think you get what I mean. Uh, communities into where that they can be brought into this with the, the capital wherewithal of MLS clubs to do so. USL clubs may have a tie into a community, but do they have enough people on the ground to actually find this? Big question is, does MLS clubs actually have the wherewithal to have scouting to find them as well? But this gives an opportunity to find them that way. So what you're saying is there's still a chance for me to get signed by an MLS
2: club by being one of these, quote unquote, unclaimed players. Got it. I'll
0: lace them up. Uh, According to these rules, yes, you still have a chance. According to reality, no, you don't have a chance. (laughs) So
2: you're saying there's a chance.
1: I'm saying there's a chance. Best get out there on the training pitch,
0: big boy. Yeah, it's one in the Hey, I did just go
2: for a bike ride today. (laughs)
0: There's a one in a million chance you'll be signed, but that's still better than
1: winning the lottery. (laughs) Slotting in one of your training regimes on football manager as cycling.
0: (laughs) So with this, St. Louis City has the ability to start building some of the parts of the roster, especially with the academy kids. Maybe they can recruit like they did with Aaron Hurd. Recruiting is not per Lance, but who knows? Bring recruit t- players that maybe in other academies they get a chance to bring them in, perhaps even with USL, a real chance to start trying to find out if they can at least get depth for the initial MLS roster through this league. So I think St. Louis City is one of the teams, one of the MLS clubs who's going to be very, very hot. On MLS Next Pro. And that's exciting. It'd be even more exciting if we had a schedule and we knew where they were going to play so we could make some plans for the summer, but we don't know that yet. And more importantly, will we be tailgates? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, of course. I'm, ass- of I'm course. assuming these
1: games will be uh, watchable
0: in some sense, but. Uh... Yeah, they're professional leagues. This is yeah. a professional league. For the most part. It's a development league, but.
1: Oh, we're going to have to buy tickets. I forgot that that's a part of this. (laughs) I got so used to just going to those free academy games. I forgot that sometimes you have to pay to get in. (laughs) What is this? I want my free soccer. Dang it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, comrade. (laughs) Hey, who knows if they charge to get into these, how much are they going to charge? I mean, Probably like five bucks, point, like a high school football game or something. Right. Yeah, but at some point you start charging too much, nobody goes, so you don't make anything. The price point is, you know, and how much support do you want? Do you want these kids to have a big support? Because if you get a cut in the concessions during the game, don't charge anything. Draw big crowds. Make your money off concessions. I don't know how that works, especially since uh, more than likely there'll be no facilities that uh, St. Louis City owns that these games will be played in during this summer. It'll probably be contracted out to Soccer Park or Corps again for these games. Mm-hmm. I imagine like
1: price point for tickets and stuff is going to be similar to say maybe Sporting KC 2 Red Bulls 2 um, some of these kind of what were previously the feeder teams that were in USL Um, but I'm not familiar with what the price point was for those games because I never much cared to look it up I wasn't going to go and see a game at you know, a sporting KC2 game because I'd
0: had no way across the state. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's a big difference here is that's with USL, which is, especially the championship, is solidly as the second tier. And pulling the development clubs of MLS, you know, teams out of USL makes it even more a fundamentally second tier professional league that'll stand on its own how this will work in the long term to the benefit or detriment a usl is hard to say i think the build of these clubs is much more it's actually going to help usl by putting a more professional game on the field rather than having them split up with you know name teams but a bunch of kids running around
1: I very much agree, Um, but the reason why I'm comparing this so much to USL is this is what USL was treated like by a lot of clubs for a long time. So the closest analogy we have other than minor league baseball is USL, specifically those two teams, Sporting KC 2, Red Bulls 2, Atlanta United 2, et cetera, et cetera. Even St. Louis FC for a time when we were affiliated with the Fire. Um, it's it's like a USL affiliate club. Um, those have largely gone away, I think, in preparation of this. And so and so and we and then we had the splitting of USL from MLS and all. USL is solidly ferment like placing itself as its own entity separate from MLS. Because MLS is putting forward this initiative to start its own kind of almost competing league with USL. But that is just minor, like minor league. Whereas USL is trying to be its own top tier competition with the championship and then have its own its own leagues underneath.
0: But uh, I think the hope is that this puts it under the MLS umbrella a lot of the reasons why mls clubs started putting their development teams in usl is the fact that the mls reserves league was just you know slapped together and had no actual you know structure to it this seems to be a real deal with structure really putting actual you know money and thought and some high level personnel in charge of it as opposed to before so MLS clubs, unlike they had in USL, they have a real feel uh, that the competition's like for like in what they want to get from their development. USL gets freed from some of the problems that came with, uh, you know, MLS two clubs being in USL and they get strike out on their own how that put washes out, how the marketplace deals with this in the good or the bad. I like to look on the good side. There's a bad side. You know, independent teams could crop up in USL championship cities like Louisville. They're doing very well Phoenix and uh, steal their thunder. I don't know. I think those teams have still put out a higher quality uh, players that are just a tier below MLS, but still have a very viable uh style of play and a professional career track and i think that's what usl championship especially will fill
1: yeah and a usl championship is in you know largely smaller markets that mls isn't interested in you know you have markets like phoenix a very big market but that mls is not that interested in um and then also you have some really story clubs like charleston battery in USL championship. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay Rowdies, uh, you know, really storied franchises that have been around for a long time that aren't really likely to go anywhere.
0: Make Kudis great again. <laughs> Minnesota and Cincinnati, especially Minnesota for a long time. Cincinnati came up big and was big and got their way into MLS. But it's not the play on the field or the support of the fan base that gets you into MLS. It's do you have the big money pockets to fund a major league team? And that's unfortunate, but that's the way North American sports work, and they always will. I don't see that changing.
1: The same thing kind of happened to us with St. Louis FC turning into St. Louis City SC. Um, You know, why didn't we just get promoted, quote-unquote, like Cincinnati did? Well, for a lot of reasons, and a lot of those reasons are internal politicking.
0: Well, it also has to be that that thing of USL teams getting promoted hasn't necessarily been
1: Yeah it's push forward. Yeah. Even though it killed my club, I largely think it's a good thing that St. Louis FC didn't just get promoted. It may also be
0: they wanted a fresh start and do something new on a full slate, a clean slate, and now, looking back on it, was it a bad decision? Because they're making very good decisions thus far. Very smart decisions on how to build this professional club. Again, time will tell.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the real reason is that like
0: St. Louis FC
1: was tied to the non-profit of St. Louis Scott Gallagher and couldn't be divested, and ergo you had, would have to have either bought all of St. Louis Scott Gallagher and turned it into a for-profit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's a lot of politics. But it's easier to look at it the way that we're looking at it, like
0: St. Louis FC had to die so St. Louis City could live. So in other words, bottom line, less lawyers involved. <laughs> Decision made. And, I, you know, more details are to come. And so are a lot of questions. Uh, we we do hope the details start coming before they start playing in about two months. No, but it is MLS. Hopefully from here on out they don't start making it up on the fly when one owner of an MLS club is griping because it's starting to cost them money and they start changing trying to appease them. We'll see how that goes. Any other thoughts, comments upon MLS Next Pro? I make the motion we start just calling it Next Pro. Just cut
2: the MLS right out of it considering we know it's connected. Just for sake of ease. Yeah, it's we already got to en- out. We already got enough mouthful names to say on this show with St. Louis City
1: SC. Just call it City SC and Next Pro and we'll be gold. Do I hear a second? MLSNP, the MLS National
0: Police. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's time we move into some just general MLS, the league, news, and especially transfers. Training camps for the start of the 2022 season, have already broken in many places. Uh, And if they haven't, they will tomorrow, shortly, this week. COVID is an issue. In Atlanta, they got players and a coach out because of COVID issues. We're going to have to experience this. And with an early start in the winter period with Omicron, you know, out there, uh, we're going to have to just put up with more and more of this pandemic stuff because people won't do the steps needed to get rid of it yeah and especially like
1: like playing games behind closed doors again is unthinkable apparently
0: yeah i don't think that'll happen at this point uh with the vaccine but what you're going to see is like their you know teams being ravaged with them to where you might have to have uh You know, fixtures abandoned like they're having in the English Premier League, uh, arbitrary rulings on why they're abandoned, uh, players out, things of
1: that nature. I mean, I know that we are a St. Louis City SC podcast, but we're a St. Louis sports podcast. We're very familiar with how the St. Louis Blues have been ravaged by COVID already this season. And yet we're
2: leading the Central, baby! Hey!
0: Yeah, but why is it that is it in the nature of professional athletes thinking they're impervious because they're in such good shape that they don't take care of any of these things? Yeah, we just saw that play out the Australian Open. Is there a part of that? Yes, I believe that there is. And why this keeps happening?
1: It certainly doesn't help that we're letting you know twenty thousand fans into seats.
0: That doesn't affect the players on the on the pitch. Now, in a closed-air environment, like an arena, like you have during the winter, and that's why these waves hit during the winter is because it's closed in. Yes, it does. In an open air, there's more dispersal of, of to aerosols. To say that it doesn't, so it affect, doesn't affect, affect the
1: players is not true. It's much less, but it's not true to say that it doesn't.
0: No, but I think it has more to do with their personal habits and interactions than it does with playing with all those people in the stands. but when you got it closed in with 20,000 people, you got aerosols out in the air, it's going to happen. But and all right, you can't really play in a mask. But let's not
1: is... get, let's not get political, stick to sports. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> let's I not think. turn this into a covid podcast, y'all. Stick to stick to the soccer.
0: Stick to sports. <laughs> well, I think uh, the way we look at this is uh with transfers. And we just came off of trying to make sense of the rules for MLS Next Pro, you know, so you want to start a Next Pro team. We just told you how to do it. Real Salt Lake. Step one, have millions of dollars. Real, or step two, Real Salt Lake signed a homegrown contract, offered it, it was signed to Axel Kai, the youngest MLS contracted player in history. He's younger than even Freddie Adu. 14 years of age. He is actually, if you remember, just back on October 8th, he made his USL debut with the uh, RSL Monarchs Monarchs, uh, at the age of 13 years, 9 months, 9 days. The kid's a real talent. Uh, Now he's got the homegrown contract. So going back over those MLS Next Pro rules, he's kind of claimed. So plying him away from their MLS Next Pro team to Cities gonna they're gonna have to deal on the MLS level with Gam and TAM. And if you're signing a player fourteen years of age, it's gonna take a lot of allocation money to pry him away.
2: Especially when it's a player who, uh, basically led the team to their uh, to the MLS Next Cup championship and got the golden boot, he's he's gonna be a prime talent. Let's just hope he doesn't, you know, give into the cult of personality like Freddie did.
0: Now, on the flip side of that, what Freddie had to do? MLS wanted the adulation and the newsworthiness of signing who was obviously a quite talented player, but they had no infrastructure or any way to help him deal with growing up with all of that. They were as naive as he was, or perhaps more naive than he was. Uh, Freddie Adu is a lesson that is not going away in U.S. soccer circles. I think when you bring a kid on like this, They've gotten so much better, and now there's an Academy system, and now the LDL system, to try to bring them along, uh, you know, instead of just throwing them to the wolves and leaving them on their own, you know, younger than they can drive, like they did with Freddie Adu.
1: Yeah, and MLS, just as a entity, is a lot more grown up, and not just more grown up, but cemented in and realized. It's not this... It's still very much a young upstart. It's seen that way amongst pretty much everyone, but it's not this this entity that has no power over even itself anymore. It's a very centralized thing that can control what happens and is in control of its own destiny. And that's largely true for teams as well. How they treat players, especially young players growing up. You're not hopefully not going to see a freddie do treatment again
0: no well we hope not yeah (laughs) we hope not of course that also comes up to the individual but at the age of 14 how much do you put that on the individual there is a lot of movements in mls and a lot of notable ones out there uh sean maybe you can break us in lafc made a big splash this week what did they do they went out, and they got themselves that number six they've been hurting for ever
2: since they got rid of Atuesta, and they decided to go ahead and sign the now, fr- I guess, free agent, you'd call him, uh, Ilya from Sporting KC, for one... Uh, no, that was a that's a different transfer. This was a free transfer. <laughs> but they signed Ilya. I'm very sad to see him go, and LAFC got a really good option at number six, and if they are really hurt, they can drop him back in a center back role if they really have to. Um I, I think, if anything, it makes their midfield pretty pretty good, and who knows, we may see them be less streaky and a little bit more consistent next year.
0: Yeah, and then they went out and got competition for him number six, and perhaps uh, even stronger in the midfield. They had another move that snuck in this week under the radar, I guess, right?
2: I don't know if I'd call it under the radar, <laughs> but they did go out and spend $1.1 million in ale- in. GAM for Kellen Acosta, with an additional four hundred thousand available in incentives, if you know certain requirements are met. Um, And while I do see Kellen being able to play that number six role, I think he's going to be better served playing a little bit further forward in their midfield. But either way, that midfield's looking pretty dangerous now.
0: I personally think Acosta is better at the six. To be honest, uh. He's... We all
2: have our biases. It's okay. I admit it.
0: <laughs> he drifts in and out of games as an eight. Out of six, he uh, seems to be more focused. It's What's striking about this is LAFC midseason shipped off uh, Mark Anthony K to Colorado. And now Colorado ships Kellen Acosta back to LAFC. I don't think the numbers added up to the amount. I don't have them in front of me, but that's interesting how that plays out. Also, Steve Chirundolo, we just don't know what he's going to be as a coach. Kellen Acosta helps give a veteran presence on the field. He doesn't, when he's impactful on a game, he can be very impactful. The problem with him is half the time he has no impact on the game whatsoever. But, this is a talent that LAFC can help build around. And with LA, LA really helped build some solidity where they were lacking, especially at the back end of their team. They created a lot of chances, couldn't score, but their defense was just abysmal. So perhaps this helps. They've lost Atuesta, They've lost a lot of talent off that team. They're a shadow of what they were even before. Uh, one year ago today before they started last season. But that's a big deal. Also a big deal, Acosta seemed to be a little ticked off that uh, Colorado, he said, had an offer on the table for a transfer to Europe. They say the club says he didn't. Of course, they're owned by the Cronkies, so believe what you will. 1.5 total in uh, allocation money in MLS is worth a lot of real cash in the real world. Uh, so they probably thought this was a more valuable transfer than the one over to Europe for straight cash, because you know contracts are owned by the league. The league gets a big cut of those contracts when they make those transfers. Always keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, unsurprising that the player wants a move to call or to uh, to
0: Europe, but
1: Nicole- it, if yeah, if you can make a transfer for funny money, you're going to make a transfer for money. Funny money
0: if it's worthwhile and a front office is always going to take the trade they must it's actually demanded by their job or they get fired you got to make the best trade for your for your owners for your bosses you got to make the best trade for your club is this move it make lafc uh better for the number one slot in the west well, I don't know. There was another huge development uh in MLS this week, and it revolved around the Seattle Sounders. You got information on that for us, Sean? Oh yeah. Sounders, they went out and they absolutely sniped Rusnak
2: from RSL for their DP slot. And I'm I'm not saying this makes them the best midfield in MLS, but I'm saying that it makes them one of the most dangerous and creative midfields in the MLS. But I I don't know how Seattle keeps doing this, where they can just keep bringing in these monster moves, massive deals, and bringing in these players that just somehow make them constantly target number one year in
0: and year out, regardless of who else is doing well. Well, you know, you win all the time. You win MLS Cup titles. Uh, You're always going there. You're always seeing competition. That helps. Uh, you got a rabid fan base a city that really loves the game, that helps. Uh, You can offer that Rusnak is a free agent. Albert Rusnak could come and play with, uh, you know, players like Raul Reed-Diaz, Jordan Morris, play alongside uh, Nicolas Lodero. You got Christian Roldan and Jal Paulo in that midfield with him. Wow, that's enticing. And Rusnak's coming off his best season. Been in MLS for a while. Uh, I think Real Salt Lake thought he was going to stay, but he's a free agent. A lot of people wanted him. And somehow the Sounders keep making these deals and keep making them financially sound. Whereas FC Cincinnati throws money at a problem and it never fits. Somehow Seattle just makes smart moves And Rusnak seems to be a piece that this team could really use in what he does. They don't have to ask too much of him. They need him to supply Rui Diaz. They need him to move the ball around the middle. Hopefully Ladero comes back from all of his injuries like he did before. But you've still got Jao Paulo behind to solidify that defense. Wow. Seattle really got a coup with this one. Other anything else stand out in the transfers? There was a lot because it's kind of silly. Seasons getting close to the end time to get your team in order. Anything else stand out for you so far this week in transfers, Sean?
2: As far as actual transfers go, I think we need to talk about Damian Lowe coming in for Inter Miami. He's one of the center backs and national team regulars for the Reggae Boys down in Jamaica and i mean after all the wheeling and dealing that miami's had to do to try to make up for all their mess ups they they really
0: have nothing at center back, so they really needed this one for sure yeah they got rid of uh, ryan Shawcross, who i don't think really gave much to him gonzalo perez leaving he's a big money player he's very good probably not really motivated given what i've seen of his personality on a team like that uh damian Lowe. Gets to come in. We've seen him on the international stage. Yeah, good player. See if it it translates into Inter-Miami. They're cleaning house. Uh, Their coach, uh, Phil Neville, talking about how they're a, a bunch of players, but they were never a team. And Chris Henderson, who came from Seattle, coming in, cleaning house, trying to build pieces that fit together like they do in Seattle. Uh, Build a culture. Uh, See how they work. Maybe that big fine and them stripping everything bare that they did wrong at the beginning might be the best thing for this franchise. We'll see how they pl- perform on the field. But watching a bunch of uh, big money players disinterested in playing just isn't exciting. And they didn't win. Watching more interested, hardworking players that are excited and bought in And still don't win. That's still a plus for the club, in my personal opinion. A couple of things came down today that are exciting. Uh, Houston Dynamo got a new owner. Uh, Real estate uh, mogul Ted Sagal comes in with deep pockets, uh, said he's going to turn Houston around to what the size of that market and that city deserve. Plus, with all of their homegrown talent around in that area in South Texas, they should be better than they are. They went out and signed a, a DP attacker. 23-year-old Sebastian Fiera comes from Paraguay, uh, Club Libertad Asuncion, in Paraguay. $4.3 million on his transfer fee. 23 years old, he has two golden boots in the Paraguayan League. How good. Paraguayan league is. I don't know. Paraguay does compete internationally quite well, but with a lot of other players internationally. He had 34 goals and 12 assists and 74 appearances in all competitions for his club. That's prolific. Uh, That'll get your attention. And he does have one cap for the Paraguayan international team.
1: Yeah, that one cap isn't that impressive, but 34 goals and 12 assists and 74 appearances, those are numbers that turn heads.
0: Yeah, it makes me wonder about the quality of the league overall. The international caps, Paraguay, they're okay. They complete compete in combo. Uh They got players around the world. It's probably a hard nut to crack. You know, we're all spoiled here for young kids. With the U.S. men's national team right now, everybody's got to be 18, 19. That's not the way it works. 23 years old and getting a cap is pretty, actually pretty young normally on the international stage.
1: Yeah, and Coma Bowl is a tough competition. That's not easy pickings down there.
0: <laughs> not with Argentina, Brazil, and Peru, and exactly. Chile, and <laughs> Exactly. When they come up, no, not at all. Uruguay. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, Pick it through the list here. Eh. Atlanta United went ahead and got a backup for the aging Brad Guzan. They pick up, well, the aging Bobby Shuttleworth <laughs> to come in and back him up. That was on the line. Uh, Charlotte has sold. Charlotte hasn't even played a game yet. They've sold Riley McGee, McGree to Middlesbrough. He was the team's first signing he had a good spell at Birmingham last year. And now he's shipped off to Middlesbrough. Interesting. They seem to be more interested in playing games in Europe with all their international slots than they about fielding a team. See how this works out. Maybe they found somebody better. I don't know. Uh their roster build at Charlotte, it interests me. I'm They could be doing things very, very right, or they could be doing things very very wrong, I'm not sure
1: It seems a little late in the game for Charlotte to be making money moves like this.
0: It's their first signing, and he's shipped off before he plays a game
1: yeah, like and but they're about to take the field, and we're you're making money moves. Mm. who knows maybe they were playing a long game
2: all the, all along, and you know. They're going to field a great team, and they've been playing 3D chess while all
0: of us are over here playing checkers. Uh, Their front office is not filled with nobodies. There's smart people there. Maybe they do know what they're doing. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for that. Uh, Doesn't really pass my smell test, I'll
1: say that much.
0: We got some other rumors, and they're kind of exciting. Tells you that MLS is playing on a different level than it was, say, even three years ago. Uh, The world. Cole Bassett. Uh rumors are he's getting a loan to Feyenoord. That's kind of a big name to be go out to. Uh the young uh midfielder for uh San Jose Earthquakes big upside. You got any information on this uh deal? Sean, the rumors on this?
2: Yeah, rumor has it that uh the the clubs are in "quote unquote advanced stages of talks." Meaning they're probably just working out the final transfer fee. Um, probably it's it's looking to be about an eighteen month loan with a permanent purchase option at the end of it, just depending on how well he performs. Um, but the real interesting part is the fact that you look at all these young guns in the U.S. men's national team, you know, in the in the lower levels, the the nineteen year olds, the twenty year olds, making the jump at least for a loan over into Europe almost all at once. Uh to big name clubs too. Um, this is just another name to add to the list, and it it's very interesting if it comes to pass. We'll put it that way. And yeah. taking
1: taking long loans with purchase options.
0: Yeah, a lot of those negotiations will be the sell-on fees for Cole Bassett. Uh the Quakes are going to want a lot of that. Uh Feynord's going to want a lot of that. That's what the game they're in as well. So that's probably where the holdup is. Given that Sam Vines is starting for Antwerp in uh, Belgium, uh, wow, they're shipping out more talent than their record in MLS shows. Maybe MLS is a little tougher than we think they are.
1: Well, and James Sands has already played for Rangers too, hasn't he?
0: Well, he came from NYCFC. Sure, but from MLS. Yeah, played today. No word on how he did little nervy at the start, but held on from what I heard in early conversations.
2: Another player that played today was Pepe. Well, not today, but just played already was Pepe. He made it to the 85th minute in his first game with his new club in Augsburg. Uh,
0: You know, results are there. He's putting in effort. Doesn't look terribly out of place. Augsburg, their problem was developing chances, not putting them away you got to give a guy like that service. Pepe's 18 years old. Strikers usually take a little more time of his his style and the way he is. He needs service. So it's going to take time. Also going to take time for when he makes runs. He gives a little, gives off and expects them back. Uh, what I've seen and what little I have seen is they're not on the same page yet. He's just there. Give it time. Uh, Pepe will... Pepe will do something in Augsburg. uh, At least make a showing to get him out of there if it's not the ultimate place for him to be. Uh, Another FC Dallas uh, youngster, Justin Shea, has made the news. Rumors about a possible loan to Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga. Not Bayern. As has always been out there. And... uh, the rumors have it with an option to buy at the end of an 18-month loan again. And uh, still waiting for his uh, men's na- U.S. men's national team debut. But he's been in camp, and he's definitely on burhalter's radar. I think a lot of these 18-month loans that we're seeing has to do with the off-season window in MLS not being concurrent with the off-season window in Europe. So they come in. They can get acquainted with the club, the culture, maybe play on the reserves is what a lot of thinking is for the first six months, and then the next season they kick in and see if they're worthwhile to actually make the team. If they perform well in training, uh, they bring them in with the hope that they can make the team uh, as soon as they come over.
2: Oh, most definitely. I would agree with that 100%. Uh,
0: Strong rumor out there is the Portland Timbers are about to sign an Argentine... U twenty two initiative player uh, with the MLS U twenty two initiative, which allows them to spend more money under certain, you know, Byzantine conditions. His name is David Ayala. Comes from Estudiantes. Uh, rumored is uh, two point four million dollars on this. Seventeen uh, year old uh, defensive midfielder. And the U22 initiative in MLS was to try to get these 17-year-olds from, like, Argentina and Brazil and Uruguay and places like that. That's what this initiative is for. This is exactly it. He's been a constant with the uh, Argentine U17s on the international level. And anytime that you're a constant youth international in Argentina... There's something there. Uh, he's already made 32 club appearances for his for estudiantes, and uh, rumors are strong because there's already an agreement in principle, was the quote from the, the report of the rumor. Uh, so that just means personal terms, nailing it down, and then making announcements and hope nothing falls apart the last minute. And lastly on the rumor mill is something that is, well, almost, I can't say it's unimaginable, but it's pretty surprising. And it has to do with a longtime U.S. men's national team player, uh, one much hated by certain factions of Twitter. It's Paul Ariola. You got information on what's going on with him on the rumor mill, Sean. Well, it looks like Club America's
2: coming in to make another offer to try to sign him away and bring him back to Liga Ameki's. That's that's what I'm seeing.
0: That's three I offers. Mean, he's already spent
2: some time in three, three. Multiple. Yes. I mean, he's already spent time down there. He was with Tijuana for a few years before uh, DC swooped in and signed him as a DP. Um, I mean, he's still got a few years left of him. He's He's only 26. He's got plenty he's of time to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, this is gonna. I think it'd be a good move for him. Uh, could take his game to the next level. Playing, I mean, I'm not saying League MX is better, but it's definitely a different game, and he's already familiar with it. It could take him to that another level, and I think that might help him out in his U.S. Men's National Team level. And who knows? Maybe those soccer Twitter haters will stop soccer Twitter hating. And-
0: no, they won't. <laughs> Never. <laughs> if, if yeah, my hater's gonna hate. Yeah, they're gonna hate on him, but they'll just move on to somebody else to hate on more. Uh. Here's the interesting thing. Three different offers. First two weren't good enough for him. Club America came back a third time. Uh,
1: Club America. One of the biggest franchises in Liga MX, Most story of, franchises uh, in North America. <laughs> in, in,
0: in the Western Hemisphere. Not good enough. <laughs> you know, uh. And it's not just them. A lot of, now that, uh. They've been sniffing around, and there's a possibility of a transfer. MLS clubs are after him, and European clubs are coming in, trying to get the swoop on this deal. But it was uh, Hercules Gomez uh, on Twitter, also of ESPN, came in and says that there's now a third offer from Club America. That came in just shortly before we started recording. That's real interest if it's three offers, and that's a huge Huge, huge club. So, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Given what DC United has done in the past, they're going to skew all of them. They're just going to keep Paul Ariel because they got him under a a financial package they could deal with. This just makes him more of a marketing tool. They're not going to move him on. They're going to hold on to him. Replacing him will cost too much. He's not going.
1: We have people speculating on our asset. Ergo, we should keep our asset. It will only keep increasing.
0: (laughs) There's some viability in that, but... But, you know... You know, those original MLS clubs just are not used to the idea of transferring out talent. They only bring them in. They don't understand if they move him out That makes a notice for the rest of the hemisphere, at least, that they're in a market if they can sign a player that somebody else can come in and get him signed. If they turn this down, then they're just stuck. In other words, all of their contracts are dead ends. And you want to kill a club, make all of your contract dead ends so you can't sell them on for any profit. Then it's just shelling out money out of your pocket. And uh, living bankrolling it all off the loans off of the increases on your franchise fees because other owners are more proactive and you're just sitting there collecting free money basically on the backs of others. That's my opinion.
2: <laughs> I mean, I see nothing wrong with what you have said. It, I, I think that's just where some of the owners are at. They're just here out here making money just because they can. And DC
0: United is not the old ownership, the original. They're still out there. The hunts. You know, uh, what's his name up in New England? The Crafts. You know, there's those old owners from the original days of MLS are still out there playing the game their way and raking in profits. Not profits per day off of their per year, probably taking a loss. But the rise in the franchise fees mitigate those losses you know 50 times over Uh, and if owners want to do that that's fine but in the structure of MLS you do that you bring the league down so for personal profit in the short term or what you can see you're losing the chance for bigger profit or you're losing the chance of what even more franchise by raising the league up But, you know, you can't talk to those people, so why do I keep going on? Any other uh, transfers, rumors, anything like that I missed? I think we covered them all that we had on our list. Didn't we, Sean? Yeah, that's the big ones. That's the big ones, at
2: least the ones that I noticed. If we missed one, if we missed your favorite player or your favorite team that made a big splash that we didn't see, feel free to email us, shoot us a tweet, yep. Soccer send Capitals us a message on
1: Instagram, Gmail Yeah, let us know about Honkball Hoof to Class at FC, who you can't die to see play again.
0: <laughs> and and even if there was a, there are other transfers out there, but we just run out of time. This is going on too long. I uh, do want to end up the U.S. men's national team. Not a lot of news at this moment, but that will change over the next week. We expect rosters for the end of the month uh, start of the next qualifying window. Huge one. Huge one for the national team. Uh, starts on Thursday, January 27th in Columbus against El Salvador. A winnable game. Expect three points from that. We also get panama who's uh shaking things up at the top hanging around a big win in this window against panama will really solidify uh, the u.s as getting in before in the march window when we have to go to mexico and to costa rica man you don't want to get points when two of the three games are there uh there is currently a camp it's been going on for the last 10 days two weeks uh with a lot of MLS players. You got people like uh oh, what's his name? Escapes me. Aaron uh the center back from New England. Uh Aaron Long. Isn't That's he a it. wing back? No, he's a center back. Plays like a wingback. Uh he's in camp trying to come back from his Achilles tendon tear, devastating injury. Jordan Morris getting back even more to fitness could actually play a role in January now with all the game time he got in Seattle, a remarkable comeback uh, and a talent there. Plus some of the other MLS players getting this camp. They're going to finalize it. Uh, from what I understand, uh, they'll be part of a sporting Kansas City's preseason with a game, January 21st at uh children's mercy park. Is that your understanding, Sean? Yep. That is, that is the one fixture that
2: I was very excited to see. And then I re- read the article further and realized I won't be able to watch it, and I'm upset.
0: No, <laughs> oh, well, you'll get all. It'll still be fun new- to watch the old guy and Zeusie just beat up on the new kids, though. It's a preseason. It's a practice game, both for the camp and for the Sporting KC. So you're not missing practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. Practice. Now, the big news in this qualifying window, of course, there's the away game. In Hamilton, isn't it, against Canada? Uh, Alfonso Davies contracted COVID not too long ago with Bayern Munich. Uh, Understanding is he has a heart problem related to COVID. It's a minor one, but it looks like it's going to leave him out of qualifying in this window for Canada. That's a big benefit for the U.S., Going to be a big game, exciting game, without him on the roster. U.S. is going to miss plenty. Gio Reyna won't be there. Uh, Timothy Wea's fitness is in doubt. A lot of players, MLS is out of season, winter break in Europe. So, of course, that also affects a lot of the best players for Canada as well. But that's exciting news. Well, I mean, no, it's not. It
1: extremely sucks that Alfonso Davies has yes, long I, COVID. I, I, yes, I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it is it is a benefit for the U.S. MNT that we will not have to play against Alfonso Davies. Uh, yeah, but no, it actually it extremely sucks. Um, but yeah, maybe like you know, athletes getting long COVID symptoms, maybe people will pay attention. But, uh, also, you know, stop talking about politics, stick to, stick to sports, <laughs> so. I was gonna say, that's for another podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think we spoke to, we've, uh, stuck to both politics and sports for long enough. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, I think so.
1: <laughs> I've had plenty I think to it's say. about time.
0: <laughs> Let's call it a wrap. I'm out. starting to lose light in the cave. <laughs> I'm starting to lose light in the cave. The fire's going out. <laughs> <laughs> Getting smoky in there, huh? And I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean Campbell. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. We really thank you for listening. Bye for now.